You know, we're in the midst of a sermon series that I've been calling uh, God's Creative Communication. And so today's passage of Scripture comes from Genesis chapter 21, and the title of the sermon is Creating Promise Out of Pain. Creating Promise Out of Pain. Now, before I dive into the scripture lesson this morning, I probably need to just kind of give you a little bit of information about what's been going on in the verses preceding the passage of scripture that you heard read today. You might remember that Abraham was visited by God and that God said to Abraham, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go to this place that I'm not yet ready to tell you where it is because I've got something planned. And, and then as if Abraham needed some sort of reassurance of why he should listen to God, God said, here's why I want you to go. Because I want to make a great nation out of you and out of your offspring. Because I want to bless you. Be, because I want to make you famous. Because I want you to bless other people, and then I plan on blessing other people as well, at least those who bless you. And so Abraham is apparently satisfied with this response from God. And so Abraham and his family, they take up and they begin to move to a yet undisclosed location. And when they finally get to the land of Canaan, God comes to Abraham again, it says, Abraham, I want you to look at all of the land to the left, to the right, behind you, in front of you. All of this land is going to be yours and your kids. And they go a little bit further, and once again, God comes and reminds Abraham, hey, everything you see is going to be you and your kids. And it's at this point that Abraham thinks he might need to remind God of something. Okay, God, you keep saying that this land is going to be mine and my kids, there's only one problem. I don't have any kids. And so God said, oh, don't worry about that, Abraham. You are going to have a son. And Abraham believed what God said. But apparently God's timing is not always our timing. And so uh, Abraham and Sarah, try as they might, were still unable to have any children. And so Sarah gets an idea. She says to Abraham, why don't you try to have a child with my slave, my servant girl, Hagar? Maybe she can give a son to you. Maybe that's how God is going to answer the, what he said he was going to do. Maybe that's how God's going to give us the son. And so Abraham, it's as if even back then, uh, men knew that you should listen to your wives. So, so, so he, he goes to Hagar, and guess what? They have a son, and they name that son Ishmael. Now, even though it was Sarah's idea in the first place for Abraham and Hagar to try to have a child together, Sarah really doesn't like how she's feeling after that child is born. The, the writer of Genesis tells us that she looked down on Hagar. The writer of Genesis tells us that she resented Hagar. The writer of Genesis tells us that she abused Hagar. 
And Hagar begins to fear for her very life. Now, Abraham, on the other hand, just assumes that now because he has a son, that this is the son that God had promised him, that this is the son through whom God is going to fulfill that promise that God had made to Abraham. And then God shows up again and says, Abraham, that is not the son through whom the promise that I made to you will be fulfilled. Ishmael is not uh, my chosen child through whom we work, but he is a treasured child. And, and I'm going to take care of Abraham, but I'm going to give uh, through uh, Ishmael, but I'm going to give you and Sarah your own child. And if you've read the pages of Scripture at all, you know that God's pretty good about keeping God's promises. So lo and behold, Abraham and Sarah have a child, despite the fact that they're well on up in years. And they name the child Isaac because Isaac means laughter. And they both laughed at the prospect of having a child at their age. Now, you might think that now, because Sarah has a child of her own, that she's moved on from this uh, resentment that she had towards Hagar and had towards Ishmael, but that is not the case. When we get to our scripture lesson today, apparently it is the day that Isaac is being weaned away from his mother, and, and we're told that Sarah looks out and she notices Ishmael, who is now a teenager, and Isaac, who is three years old, and something that she sees really sets Sarah off again. Either she hasn't really gotten over what had been the problem from years ago, or something else is festering up. And we really don't know what that is. If you look at the different translations of this story, you'll find that some of the biblical translations say that uh, when Sarah looked out and saw Ishmael and Isaac, that Isaac was actually mocking, uh, that Ishmael was actually mocking Isaac, making fun of him. But other translations, like the one that we use in our church, the New Revised Standard Version, doesn't say anything about Ishmael mocking Isaac. It says that Ishmael was playing with Isaac. That's a much different interpretation. People don't know what to do with that Hebrew word. There's, there's differences of opinion. If Ishmael was playing with Isaac, then what that suggests is that Sarah's tirade that we read about in our scripture lesson today has nothing at all to do with Ishmael's behavior towards Isaac. It could be that she looked out and she saw the two of them together and then this thought began creeping up into her mind. Remember, Isaac is, they're celebrating him being weaned away from his mother, so he's three years of age. That's an important uh, fact to note in the text because a lot of children back in those days didn't live to the age of three because of the awful conditions in which they were raised and the poor health care that was available to them. So maybe Sarah now has some degree of confidence that Isaac's going to survive after all, that he's going to be able to grow into adulthood and to be able to receive the fulfillment of that promise that God had made to Abraham. 
And maybe for the first time, as she sees Ishmael playing with the son that she now thinks is going to survive and living to adulthood, that she begins to wonder, will this Ishmael affect Isaac's inheritance? Will this Ishmael affect my son Isaac's future? And she just can't stand it. So she goes to Abraham and she says, I want you to tell that slave girl and her son to get out of here. Sarah can't even bring herself to call these two by name. She is so upset at what she sees. And she wants Abraham to dismiss them from their presence. Now Abraham was a little torn about this. He loves Ishmael. He's worried about Ishmael. He, he, he doesn't really want to do this. But then God comes to Abraham and says, don't you worry about Ishmael. He may not be the chosen one through whom I'm, on, whom I'm going to fulfill this promise, but he is a treasured one. He does mean a lot to me. And he too is going to be the father of a great nation. You don't have to worry. But Hagar and Ishmael, they probably do worry. Because Abraham comes, he gives them a little bit of bread, he gives them a little bit of water, and then he sends them on their way, and we're told that they are left to wander in the wilderness. They're unwanted, unloved, uncared for. They're just dismissed like they don't even matter. At least that's probably how they felt. And if you think starving and by not having enough food or water is bad enough. Can you imagine being hungry for affection? Hungry for attention? Hungry for appreciation? Acceptance? And they're all alone wandering through the wilderness. I can imagine how difficult it would have been to be Hagar in that moment. I can imagine her trying to ration out what little bit of food, bread, and what little bit of water that she had for them to make it last as long as possible. I can also imagine what it must have felt like when she realized that there was no more bread to offer her son and there was no more water. I can even imagine how devastated that she would be when she placed her son underneath a bush and she got as far away from him as she could get because she did not want to watch her son die. I can imagine that part of the reason why she did that is because she also did not want to hear her son crying out for his mama, crying out for his mother to help him. And she knew that there was absolutely nothing she do. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the grief that Hagar must have been feeling as she anticipated the, the ultimate death of her son Ishmael? But then God shows up and does something extraordinary. God appears to Hagar and God not only promises Hagar that the future is bright for her son Ishmael, but she also, God also does something to help Hagar 
deal with the present circumstances, the present pain. And God provides water for Hagar to drink for herself and to offer some to her son. That water to someone that is at the point of death is a symbol and representative of new life. And the biblical writer tells us that, that Hagar gave some of that water to Ishmael and that Ishmael grew up to be a strong man, that he grew up to marry an Egyptian woman, and that he grew up to be uh, the father of a great nation himself. I love how God does that sometimes. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our wilderness, God is always trying to communicate the promises of God. God always wants to respond to the present needs in which we find ourselves. And God also wants to give us the hope that there is a better day a coming. God can create these promises in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grief, and in the midst of our wilderness. And here's the thing. Often the way that God wants to respond to the pain in the world, the suffering in the world, the grief in the world, the wilderness of the world is through the people of God. God longs for us to be the agents that communicate the promise in the midst of pain. And I don't know what's going on in your personal world, but I know what's going on in the world in general. And, and all you got to do is just turn on the news or open up your phone and read uh, what's happening. Uh, you see it all over the place. There, there are people right here in Murfreesboro and in our state and in our country and in our world that are a lot like Hagar and Ishmael. They feel uncared for. They feel unloved. They feel unwanted. They feel unseen. A lot of them are, are foreigners like Hagar, who was not an Israelite. A lot of them are immigrants. A lot of them are, have been oppressed. A lot of them are, are really struggling. They're people experiencing homelessness. They are people experiencing hunger. They're people who are beginning to wonder if there's anything that could possibly come out of this pain that would be beneficial. And oftentimes, the way that God wants to communicate promises to such people is through people like you and people like me. This text assures us that God hears the cries of the people like Hagar and Ishmael. But the question that I have for you and me today is, do we hear the cries? And are we willing to respond. How will we respond? Well, one of the ways that you and I might choose to respond here at St. Mark's as we seek to, to offer a promise in the midst of people's pain is through Habitat for Humanity. We just dedicated a house last week. We just passed along the keys to a deserving family who now are proud homeowners for the very first time in their entire lives. 
the, whatever pain they might have experienced leading up to this point, whatever wilderness they might have walked through to this point, now they have some sense that there's a better future for them because of the people of St. Mark's. I'm sure we're going to get ready to build another house before too long. That might be one of the ways that you respond to the pain and the suffering of people is to come alongside us and help us build one of those homes. Maybe you might choose to respond to uh, the needs of our community, the, to the Hagars and the Ishmaels of the world. It's through Journey Home. Right now, Journey Home is trying to raise funds for an outreach center. This outreach center will not only have a place for people to stay who are experiencing homelessness, but it will also be a safe place for them to gather and to feel loved and cared for and wanted and appreciated. And, and you're going to hear about opportunities to support that ministry in the coming days and weeks here at St. Mark's. But maybe one of the ways for you to respond to the Hagars and the Ishmaels of the world, to give them the hope that, that God can create a promise out of their pain is to support Journey Home. Some of you go around to stores and restaurants and you pick up food that's not been eaten and you take it to Journey Home. Some of you even help prepare meals for people experiencing homelessness in our community and, and you provide them with a warm meal every week. That's another way that you and I can respond. Maybe you would like to respond through our Ministry of Project Transformation or through our partnership with Reeves Rogers Elementary School where we are seeking to improve the literacy and the lives of the children that are most at risk in our communities coming alongside them to show that they're loved and they're cared for and they're appreciated at least by the people of St. Mark's. Maybe that's one of the ways in which you would respond. Or maybe you'd like to be a part of the Begin Again box ministry for people who have been displaced for whatever reason, whether it's been divorce, whether it's been abuse, whether it's been a house fire. We provide boxes for them that have essential kitchen items in them, stuff that you just really need if you're going to start over again, if you're going to begin again. Maybe you'd like to be a part of purchasing and assembling those boxes as a way of giving hope and communicating the promises of God to the people in our community that find themselves in the midst of painful situations. Or maybe you heard Karen Alexander a few weeks ago talking about our furniture ministry and how that there are actually people in our very own community that don't have a couch to sit on and don't have a bed to sleep in and our church shows up on a Saturday morning with couches and with beds so that folks can enjoy things that many of us take for granted. Maybe you'd like to respond to the needs of the painful pain that people are experiencing in our community by being a part of that. Maybe you'd like to be a part of our disaster response team. Whenever something bad happens in the world, uh, St. Mark's is pulling out of this parking lot with trucks and trailers and, and people who are willing to go and to help people in the midst of painful situations of natural disasters. Or maybe you'd like to go to Redbird Mission, which is one of the most disadvantaged places in the Appalachian Mountains, and, and, and we go there all the time to not only build homes, not only to make sure that the children in those schools are cared for and feel loved, 
but we're responding to the needs of pain well beyond the Murfreesboro city limits because we believe that we are agents of the promise and we can give people the hope of a better day. I wrote these down because I was afraid I'd forget some of them. We've got a food drive here. You, you need food in this community, you just pull your car right up underneath uh, one of our covers out there and, and we'll take a box of food and we'll load it out there for you. We don't ask any questions. We just figure if you are in pain and you are in need, we want to be a part of communicating the promises of God and the hope of something better by putting a box of food in your car. Even at Vacation Bible School this week, we're doing something that I think is really incredible. The kids have been invited to name a hero in their own life, somebody that they look up to. And, and each of those people will designate then a, a, a project, a, a, a benefit something in this community, a non-service uh, project or a non-profit or a church that they are uh, powerfully attached to. And we're going to draw names out of a hat every day, and we're going to make a $500 donation in the name of the hero's name that's drawn out of the hat to those nonprofit agencies, to those other churches, to those other community organizations that are seeking to communicate that there's hope, that, that God can bring promises in the midst of pain. There are so, so many ways for us to be the people that God uses to speak into people's pain with a word of hope, with a word of promise. And if you're not involved in one of those, if, if, if you didn't hear one that you like, but you're thinking of one now that you'd like to start, Today is the day to say, I want to be a part of what God is doing to communicate the hope and the promise to people who are experiencing pain. May it be so.